Football is back and right now Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to 5000 to 1, the uh, Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as ever is my co-host, uh, the Leicester City legend that is Matt Elliott. Matt, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm bang on, Rob. Thanks very much. And uh, looking forward to discussing all matters Leicester on this big finale to the season. It is coming to a close, isn't it, Matt? We, we had a, it's, well, it's been such a hectic period, hasn't it? But uh, we are getting towards the end now. The final game of the season's on the horizon and... It's a, a, a mouth-watering one from a neutral perspective, but I just imagine it's quite a disappointing one from a Leicester City uh, perspective, um, having been in such a strong position uh, before lockdown and then since the restart, having uh, really struggled and now their Champions League destiny hangs in the balance as Manchester United come to town this weekend. But before we look ahead to the United game, let's just have a chat about the the Tottenham game because that was one strange game uh, from my perspective, um, I didn't think Leicester played particularly badly, but they were 3-0 down by half-time, and it was that man again, the thorn in their side, their nemesis, Harry Kane, who did all the damage. Yeah, a familiar story, wasn't it, in that respect? But uh, I'm in agreement with you, Rob, as are most people, I think, who, who watch the game. Leicester didn't do too much wrong. Um, a little bit loose defensively and, you know, at important, crucial times, and the quality, the extra little bit of quality that Spurs possess in a couple of individuals, um, you know, came to the fore, didn't it? But generally, the, the pattern of the game from the start, you know, Leicester statistically outshot, you know, outcrossed, outpassed Tottenham, beat them in, in every aspect. But where it mattered, scoring the goals, they came up short and a little bit of naivety, as I say, you know, I don't know, perhaps we'll talk about it in a minute, you know, the, the back three. Does it work against certain top-level opposition and certain other systems you know, that go, come up against it? But you know, Leicester looked bright, didn't they? And even after conceding the first goal early on, it was a sort of a bolt from the blue. That didn't deter them. They, they kept pouring forward, particularly down that left-hand side. Didn't create too many sort of guilt-edged chances. Um, but having said that, Lloris was... I don't know, Harry Kane aside, Lloris was probably man of the match for Tottenham. So that gives a little bit of an indication how things went. Ultimately, you know, very disappointing, wasn't it? Especially after the the promise and the expectancy after playing so well against Sheffield United, getting over that, which was a really tense affair. And they handled that situation brilliantly just to come unstuck a few days later against Tottenham. And now, you know, it's looking a difficult proposition, although not an insurmountable one. It does seem to be defensive issues that uh, are the big problem for them at the moment. Um, with the four they conceded at Bournemouth, the three now at, uh, at Tottenham. Ryan Bennett on the right side of that back three, 
had a torrid time really, didn't he, against Son and against the pace. Yeah. He slipped for the first goal. He then allowed uh, Kane to go on his right foot and on the inside to bend in that stunning third goal as well. Do you think that back three has worked? I mean, it's all right against Sheffield United when you know what the threat is. It's the big physical yeah. threat, but it's not the pacey movement that, that, that you would come up against. Certainly Tottenham, and you'll definitely get it against Man United. Is that working? I think overall, on recent games, recent history, I think you have to say no. Um, I think against Crystal Palace, when they first employed it, it sort of caught Palace off guard, I think, a bit. And But Palace were you know, very unambitious. They were negative in their approach. And it worked to an extent. Then up against Arsenal in the first half, they struggled, didn't they? They, they were you know, playing at their limit to try and handle Arsenal's front three. Because it ends up, because Leicester are quite a progressive side, they don't like to sit back and defend deep like they have done in the past and it ended up literally a 3v3 and I thought even though they played reasonably well in that first half against Arsenal they were somewhat fortunate um, to be just the one goal behind um, as you say against Sheffield United where you're coming up against the front two you know that back three it makes sense um, you know just in numerical terms but when a different proposition away at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium you know, and the quality of that front three, the pace, that like Son revels in running from deep, doesn't he? And they were getting dragged about, not just Bennett. I mean, Bennett was the sort of main focus and obviously he paid the price coming off at half-time. But I think they didn't know whether to stick or twist a little bit. In the, the first goal, um, the ball was cleared to Harry Kane. He dropped 15 yards into his own half, picked the ball up, turned, swivelled and played the ball. You know, there's three centre-halves. One of you's got to go and release yourself and go in with him and get information from the, the player alongside you and just the you know, basics of defending. And Leicester were hesitant, you know, got caught out on a number of occasions. The wing-backs, dangerous as they look going forward, I think they get caught between two stalls, you know, which is an easy thing to do. It's a difficult position, wing-back. You, you've got to play two positions at one time, basically. You know, many times Son was running in between uh, Justin and Bennett, wasn't he? And they didn't know there wasn't enough communication. And every time, even that Leicester looked the better team, every time Tottenham got the ball, they looked like they were going to pose a threat, didn't they? It was very much a counter-attacking style they played as well. I mean, you got to hand Mourinho he's, uh, some credit. He, got, he seemed to get his tactics right. I mean, interesting that he said he was surprised or he said that Leicester didn't look comfortable in that back three as well in his post-match press conference. So interesting that he yeah. picked that out. Well, I think it would be something, listen, De Mourinho is, you know, he's one of the shrewdest managers around, isn't he? And, you know, detail of preparation, etc. And he, he's got an eye. He would have looked at that. He'd have seen it happen with Arsenal. They don't look comfortable and well marshaled in it, if I'm honest. Because even, even Johnny Evans has looked a little bit ragged uh, at times, you know, because he's been comfortable in that back four role. And when they come up against teams that play effectively a front three, although they drop off the wide players, don't they, and help out the midfield. But at times it is a 3v3, and you don't want that situation from a defensive point of view. However good your centre-halves are, um, you don't want to be in that situation. You want that extra insurance of an extra player. Far too often, the wing-backs were caught too far up the pitch because possession's been lost or whatever, the ball's been cleared. They've been bypassed and they're at the heart of Leicester's defence and they've struggled to cope with it. It's interesting though, isn't it, that um, we knew there was going to be winners and losers in terms of lockdown. 
I mean, Spurs went into um, the, the freeze in the season uh, with mounting injury concerns. Harry Kane was obviously still trying to get back to to fitness. Um, and, that, and Leicester went in with relatively no injuries. I think Ricardo did his ACL in the Villa game just before lockdown. Um, but since then, it's, they've, all, they've got all their players fit. And Leicester are now without Chilwell, Ricardo, Siunsu, Madison, or Brighton, Fuchs. Brighton, <laughs> the so, injuries yeah. have just been coming thick and fast. And it's been a, a big factor, hasn't it, in this, in this little period of the season? Yeah, I mean, we'll never know what would have happened if the you know, majority of those players had stayed fit. But listen, there's no point mulling that over, really, because it's it's part and parcel of the game, isn't it? You, you know, you, you ride your luck, don't you, on that situation? But and Tottenham have benefited, as you say, um, with you know, a number of players, but in particular Harry Kane. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Leicester's possible deficiencies, you know, in defensive terms, but. The quality of Harry Kane is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, he's, I know he's highly regarded, but I don't think he's highly regarded enough in some aspects. Like he's, he's powerful, isn't he? He's intelligent. He links play up. He bring, brings other players into play as well as being an enormous goal threat himself. You know, he's the, he's the complete package and he's quicker than he's given credit for as well without being lightning. Just top class top-class uh, performer, isn't he? Really simple as that. And Son's not a million miles behind either. But th- that's the calibre of players you're coming up against at, at this level. And, um, yeah, it's... Oh, but it, it has worked against Leicester, hasn't it? You know, the injuries have come thick and fast and really at the wrong time, haven't they? But you've got to get on and play the cards you dealt with. Well, let's look at the, the, the season as a whole, because I've written a, an article which um, uh, those who aren't subscribers at the moment, The Athletic, they can be subscribers if they take up the 30-day free trial by uh, visiting www.theathletic.com forward slash Leicester pod, asking the question, how should Leicester City fans feel about this season? Because on one hand, they're guaranteed to finish fifth, ticked all the boxes in terms of all the pre-season targets, challenge the big six, be the best of the rest secure European football, challenging the Cups, which they've done reaching a semi-final and a quarter-final. Yet, there is that element, and certainly a lot of Leicester fans will be feeling this, a disappointment, an opportunity, if they don't make it to the Champions League, an opportunity that slipped them by, considering they had a 14-point cushion in the top four at one stage of the season. Well, exactly. I mean, you sort of covered all areas there in, in, in your question, Rob, really. Because all said and done, if you look, even if Leicester weren't to managed to, to qualify for the Champions League. We don't know. Well, there's, there's sort of a feeling that it's out of their grasp already, but it's not necessarily the case. It's going to be a big ask. But as we saw in the Chelsea game in the FA Cup semi-final, you know, Man United are beatable. They're not infallible. And you know whatever happens in the West Ham game, Leicester are going to be in with a shout come next weekend. So, But let's say the best scenario doesn't occur. As you've mentioned there, I think you've got to be realistic. It's going to be Leicester's second best ever Premier League finish. You know That's not a bad achievement, however you want to look at it. But I think it is fair to say that's tempered by the fact that that points gap you mentioned was there for a considerable amount of time. And a lot of teams below Leicester were dropping points regularly and the opportunity was there to go and you know, see it through at an early stage in the season if they'd kept anything like their form. If you want to put a positive spin on it, if, if the season had been flipped round and they started how they've end, ended up the second half and then finished with a flurry, you'd be saying what an amazing achievement, you know, the, the, to even get within a hair's breadth 
of Champions League qualification. All round, you've got to look at the bigger picture. There will be a tinge of disappointment in the way that they've stumbled and stuttered their way through the, the second half of the season because it, it's human nature for your, your expectations to, to rise when you see what they're capable of. You know what they're capable of because they've provided that over a period of time. But, it, you know, it's drifted away a bit and the, there's a little bit of criticism here and there of individuals. And uh, you know, I've even seen some people suggesting Brendan Rodgers should be sacked. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's how extreme opinions get. Uh, overall, the club is going in the right direction. I think you see there's a talented bunch of younger players involved within uh, a balanced mix of experience as well. And listen, I think most sensible-minded people recognise you know, what what a fine coach stroke manager Brendan Rodgers is, I think. You know, I think it's fair to say, I, I'm not saying that through blind loyalty to Leicester City or whatever, but you can see his his qualities. Even he doesn't get everything right all the time, but Leicester going in the right direction overall. And you go back to pre-season thoughts, if you were offered a place in any European competition, however that was by, by either winning a cup or league placement, you know, you'd be delighted to accept that, wouldn't you, pre-season as a Leicester City supporter? Well, Brendan said it was a lot of it's about perceptions it, and, and the way the season has gone. Um, there's two halves of the season. And, and, and I suppose Man United are a classic example of that because they really struggled in the first half of that season. There was a lot of people uh, predicting that Solskjaer was going to get the chop. Uh, second half of the season, they've been much, much better. And certainly since the restart, they've been pretty good. Um, and Leicester, it's been the opposite. And so that perception is that they've had a good season if they get into the Champions League. Whereas Leicester City's season has been a little bit disappointing considering how good it could be. I mean, there's, I suppose that's the classic example. There are doom and gloom mongers who are... You know, depressive about this. Oh, we, we've chucked it and we, we, I never thought we were that good anyway. And, you know, you've got to take a balanced view. You know, you get judged over a season. I know there's, you know, there's, there's interim periods in between. If you, you, know, you lose 10 games on the trot, any manager is going to be a little bit concerned. That might be the only 10 games you lose in the whole season. And overall, whatever the outcome uh, next Sunday, Leicester have had a positive season. Although, you know, I can understand the element of frustration. I'm sure the players are, you know, it may end up a missed opportunity. What if? But then that will give them the incentive to go that step further again next season. But I keep referring back to it. Nothing's done or dusted yet. A lot can happen yeah. between now and next Sunday. Um, what would it be? Six o'clock Sunday evening. Then you can have a look and make your overall judgment, I suppose. Harry's sponsors 5,000 to 1, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and a travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash Leicester City right now. That's harrys.com forward slash Leicester City. It's a mouth-watering game, isn't it? Now, I know Leicester were targeting a cup final at the end of the season. It isn't quite the cup final they wanted, but it's got a cup final feel <laughs> with what's at stake. And depending on how Man United do in their um, their free game, you know, you go into that, Leicester will know what they need to do. They have to beat United, and they have to beat them, and they might, potentially might have to beat them well um, to get that, that yeah. fourth spot. But it's going to be a fantastic um, occasion. Shame the fans can't be there to make it. Uh, a fantastic atmosphere as well, and give it that cup feel. But uh, you know, it's um, it's one of those, isn't it, where the players have just got nothing to lose, just go out and leave it all on the pitch. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, there's no point you know, being down about the fact there aren't supporters there, but it would have been nice to have that boost, wouldn't it? Imagine the atmosphere, you know, 
the tension around the, the place. And Manny Knightley coming to town with all the star players they've got. Harry Maguire returning to the King Power. You know, it would have been a wonderful sort of atmosphere and occasion, wouldn't it? But it's still going to be in its own way. You know, there's so much going to be on that game. You feel one way or another, regardless of the results. On Wednesday it is, isn't it? Man United play West Ham and um, Chelsea play Liverpool. So there's another you know, mix into the equation. It's the Chelsea situation. They've had joy in the FA Cup semi-final. They'll be on a high. Will they get anything at Liverpool? All of a sudden, <laughs> it, it, there's so many eventualities and possibilities. But um, in the day, Leicester have got to deal with business themselves, haven't they? But uh, exactly, yeah. It, it could still, yeah, it could still end up a victorious season, you know, and something to really celebrate. But um, yeah, really looking forward to Sunday. But as you say. Be nice if the supports were there, but one thing that does lay in Leicester's favour is that they've scored more goals through the yeah. campaign, which, I mean, daft as it sounds, may become a massive issue. For instance, Man United beat West Ham two 0 at the weekend, but Leicester would only need to beat Man United by one goal to go through. The goal difference—it it could literally come down to that, and even more finding than that the amount of goals scored and. That's one area where Leicester do have the upper hand, at the moment at least. Well, they've got a bit of firepower on the bench because um, they've brought a young lad through. Let's uh, talk about the other debutant. We've spoken in the last podcast about uh, Luke Thomas, a young left-back, but we've got another one who's made his debut now and broken through, George Hurst. A lot been said about this lad since he uh, joined the club from Leuven. Scored a lot of goals in the under-23s and uh, great for him to get out on the pitch at, uh, at Tottenham. So he's going to be involved because Brendan has no choice. I mean, this has been forced upon him, hasn't he, with all the injuries that he's had to dig into the development squad to bring through him. I mean, Darnell Johnson's another one that's been on the bench. But uh, George getting his opportunity, great experience. Ideally, he wouldn't like to throw them into such pressure situations, but certainly they're, they're, Luke has done very well since he's come in and now George has made his debut. What have you made of him, Matt? Delighted for him. You know, he's, he's a good, hard-working, honest lad as well and I saw he, he put something out on social media you know the, the proudest day of my life and a lot of people thought this would never happen but I've made it happen and, and you know he, he was excited and delighted about it and proud and rightly so um, you know albeit in a in a defeat and you know he came on when the, the game was done and dusted really but he, he won't mind about that you know, to an extent of course he'd like to have got the win but to, to get himself out there it's happened probably quicker than he would have foreseen, really, because of the injury situation that everyone knows about. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Luke Thomas, he's done superbly, didn't he, when he came in against Sheffield United. Unbelievable debut. Found it a little bit more difficult, although he played very well uh, in an attacking sense. But he got caught out a couple of times, but you can hold his head high. But you'll see his, his development under 23's colleague coming on. It'll be delighted for him as well, wouldn't he? But he came on in a, in a role that, I wouldn't have expected him to. He came in for Harvey Barnes, didn't he? Behind the front two yeah. of Iheanacho and Vardy. You know, whenever I've seen George, he's been sort of an out-and-out target man type role. Even though he would play up front, you know, in, in a two at times, but he hustles and bustles and unsettles defenders. He's got, obviously he's got height and stature, physical presence, and uh, an eye for a goal, as his record suggests. And you know, it's, it's too obvious, I suppose, to mention his father. He's a different sort of player, but, you know, if, if he gets anywhere near the, the goals record that his dad had, it, it'll be a good acquisition, that's for sure. What he does do is give Leicester a little bit of an option, though, I think. 
Leicester lack that physical presence. Sometimes when they're when they're playing teams, as Tottenham set up yesterday, I know they had the the two stroke three goal advantage. They're happy to play on the counter, and Leicester I think have struggled to break down teams who sat deep against them, as a lot of teams do. Um, and they end up putting, not aimless, but balls into the box, almost for the sake of it, hoping that someone will get on the end of it, not expecting them to. But if you've got George Hurst in there, for whatever length of time, whether it's 15 minutes at the end of the game next Sunday, you know he's going to give Man United defenders uh, a bit of a problem and something else to think about. And if nothing else, it's a different option that Leicester will have. I think he's had a, a similar sort of battle um along with Casper Smichael in terms of you're coming in the uh, in the heels of your your famous father and everybody's judging you next to your father and uh, and his achievements and uh, I imagine he's been told many times you won't be as good as your dad and things like that so he's had to deal with that from a very yeah. young age that that must be character building though in some sense yeah he would have had to deal with that you know it's very unfair is it very harsh but I suppose some people might see it a little bit blinkered like that and like you say and quick to criticise maybe like you say because he's a different type of player um, he's quite not ungainly but you know he's not your typical footballer's physique sort of thing you know and he's he's, he's an awkward character to play against like I say he hustles and he bustles he's a little bit old school if you like a little bit of a throwback but there's nothing wrong with that you know and comparisons to his dad of People probably sort of half smirking behind his back, like you say, oh, you're not going to make it like him. Because he was a hero, particularly in Sheffield, wasn't he? Um, that still is to this day. But um, you develop that strength of character. Certainly that's worked in Casper's favour eventually, hasn't it? And probably, you know, with George, it's given him that extra determination to, to prove people wrong and to show himself and his dad, who would be absolutely delighted, by the way, um, you know, exactly what he can do. And, and fair play to him. Absolutely. Um, well, I think Man United tried to sign his dad and I think Man United were also very interested in young George at one stage when he was coming through the ranks at right? uh, Sheffield Wednesday as well, following in his father's footsteps there. But interesting to see if he gets on uh, on Sunday and gets uh, and even gets a goal. That would be an amazing story, um, one that I couldn't even make up. But uh, um, let's talk a bit about the other character that's going to be at King Power Stadium, um, Maguire. And he's probably a guy that divides Leicester City fans in a little bit. Um, great servant when he was at the club, played very well for him, made him an England international on the back of his performances for Leicester. Um, they spent £17 million pounds, um, to get him from Hull City when they got relegated. They gave him another opportunity in the Premier League and he certainly took that. But can we really blame him for wanting to go to Man United where he's doubled his money, uh, he's playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world and he's been made captain of that club now uh, as well. I mean, how how do you see Harry Maguire? I, I think most Leicester City supporters, if they're honest, you know, that they appreciate Harry Maguire's contribution and his time at Leicester City. And I think in the heart of hearts, they understand the, the situation and how it developed. From what I remember, he didn't make any massive fuss about things, you know, and f- throw his toys out the prams like certain other players have. You know, he was appreciative of what Leicester had done for him. An opportunity arose. I, I can't blame him for taking it. I think he- the honest truth is if anyone of the current Leicester City players was asked to go to Man United, they go to Man United. Certainly nine times out of ten. Um, and, and Vardy's a very good example of staying at the club, but he would have weighed up his options and his situation 
when Arsenal were involved and interested. But you know that's a slightly different scenario. Listen, it's turned out a world record for a defender. He's gone there not just to play at Man United, but be captain. Some people, he's had his critics on occasions at Man United because it is another level in terms of spotlight and focus. Roy Keane had a go, didn't he, really? Not so long ago. I think it was the first game after the restart against Tottenham when he he highlighted and he really let rip at him, didn't he? But they've been on an amazing run. Well, exactly. Uh, Roy Keane's quite quite temperamental, to say the least, and particular, isn't he? His standards are extremely high. His anger was vented at, or frustration at De Gea as well, wasn't it? But oh, yeah. um, no, I, I wouldn't say that Harry was the complete centre half in, without being critical, in the, the mould of Van Dyke. I don't think he's at that level. And you know, people are quick to sort of have a pop because he is the world's most expensive defender. But that's not Harry's fault. I don't know him personally, but I've just said hello to him a couple of times. But I know a lot of people who do know him. They say he's a lovely lad, very polite and grounded. What career he's had. And his time at Leicester, you know, people loved him at the time, didn't they? All of a sudden, their, their attitude changes because he's gone. But at the time, it was... You know, Harry Maguire this, Harry Maguire that. He's playing for England and they loved him at the club. And rightly so, because, you know, he's a quality performer. You know, there's a little bit of resentment and frustration there, but I think they're honest with themselves. I think you've got to wish him well and be pleased that he was at your club for a little while. It's football. You know, majority of the time, people move on at some stage or another, don't they? And, uh, you know, there's ways of doing it. And I don't think Harry Maguire did anything wrong. Well, I think uh, it was a deal that's worked out well for all parties, hasn't it, really? I mean, you think Leicester got £80 million yeah. for him and they already had Sunsu at the club. And I know they tried to get Tarkowski from Burnley to come in and fill the void but wouldn't pay the asking price. But um, Sunsu stepped up superbly, although he's let himself down with that sending off that uh, ended his, prematurely ended his season because they could really do with him right now. But uh, certainly he's filled um, Maguire's boots in the Leicester side. Maguire's got his dream move. Um and United exactly. have got a commanding centre-half, which they were sorely missing. So it's worked out for Correct. everybody, hasn't it? Correct. I mean, you know, in some people's eyes, Manu paid over the odds. OK, and like you say, every, everyone's a winner. By and large, I think he's done pretty well overall because uh, Manu was shaky defensively, weren't they, before he arrived? Well, absolutely. And let's hope, though, he is shaky again on Sunday and Leicester City get that win they need. And, and next uh, edition of 5,000 square on that week. would be nice, Rob, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think having scored own goals in two of the last three games, I think Leicester are due a little bit of luck in this game. So hopefully all their luck comes in in one lump sum. And next week we could be discussing Leicester City being in the Champions League, getting your passport out, Matt, for for some trips abroad. We had some good fun, didn't we, on the Champions League tour a few years back. And hopefully we'll have a bit more. Yeah, on the European tour... With, with the Blue Army was uh, was good fun, wasn't it? And uh, hopefully, circumstances dictating, it would uh, be lovely to experience that again, for sure. Matt, thank you very much for joining us again on this edition of 5001. And thank you to the listeners uh, for tuning in as well. We'll be back next week with another edition of 5001, the Leicester City podcast.